Amen. What does that have to do with Christmas, Pastor Bob? It has to do with preparing our hearts for what Jesus wants to do in us and through us. Now, I can't preach like that guy can, and you know that. But this is what I want you to hear today. God's called each one of us to make room in our hearts for him to do his work in us and through us. Because God's called us to make a difference in this world in which we live. And every one of us have a responsibility to do that. And if our hearts are not prepared for Jesus, we're not going to be able to do that. Because, you know, he said we come and we get so that we can give. Well, what are we getting? We're getting Jesus. Amen? In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul writes, But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his Son. Jesus came into the world to change the world. The world was in an upside-down mess when Jesus came into the world. Jesus began to set things back in order as he defeated Satan, as he conquered death, hell, and the grave, and his death and resurrection. But it all had this beginning point that we call Christmas. And that's where, it's not where it started. God's plan of salvation goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Remember the story, Adam and Eve sinned. And God was casting them out of the Garden of Eden, you know, this perfect place where God said, if you obey me, I'll bless you. And if you don't, God said, I'm going to deal with your sin. Even as as Pamela said in worship this morning, you know, the, the Old Testament sacrifice covered our sin. The blood of Jesus washes our sin away. God had a plan before man was ever created because God knows the heart of man. And God had his plan in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God says when he's placing the curse on man, on woman, on the serpent, God says to the serpent, listen, the woman's seed's going to crush your head. You're going to bite his heel. You're going to strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head. That was the promise of the Messiah, Jesus coming, God coming in the flesh, which takes place in what we call the New Testament. In Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through um, 38, we're going to read in just a moment, but Jesus had been born, and we, we... I don't want to assume, but I think we all know the story behind Christmas. Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem. Over here, we've got a a manger scene. And, you know, the unique thing in it that I I love is that there's not a baby in this manger scene. And I don't know if if we can zoom in for those watching online, but there's not a baby over here in in the manger. There's a crown because the baby grew up into a man who offered his life on the cross and is going to come back as the conquering king and the one that's going to set everything right for all of eternity. But it all started with that that nativity scene, that manger when Jesus was born. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. Well, eight days after the birth of a child in the New Testament time, the parents were to take the child into the temple and dedicate the child to the Lord following the law that God had given Moses way back in the Old Testament. When we get to Luke chapter 2, verse 25, Jesus has been born, the shepherds have come to visit, all those things have taken place that we associate with the, uh, with the Christmas story, and now it's time for Mary and Joseph to fulfill their obligation of the law, to take Jesus to the temple, to, to pay the, to give the sacrifice for his atonement, and, and that's what's taking place here in, in these portions of scripture. But there are two people that are kind of obscure characters in the Christmas story, But they're in the Christmas story because they prepared their hearts to see the Messiah. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus, the Lord's Christ. Let me just hold my finger there for a second. There had been prophecy since Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, there'd be a Savior that would come into the world. Throughout the Old Testament, there's prophecy in the Psalms, uh, in the prophets of a Messiah that was going to come. In fact, uh, we had a question on our quiz last night that, that talked about how many books of the Bible uh, talked about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Micah in the Old Testament says that the Savior, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And so it, the, the Messiah had been promised, and the Jewish people knew that he was coming. Simeon knew that the Messiah was coming, the Savior was going to come, and it had been revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah, the consolation of Israel. In verse 26, and he had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he did not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed him and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother were mar marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own heart also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I mean, imagine taking your baby into the... And Deborah found this picture of Simeon and Anna. You know, we don't know anything about Simeon. We're going to read about Anna in a minute. But we don't know anything about them, except they're here on the day that Jesus is taken to the temple. And Simeon had prayed, Lord, let me live until I see the Messiah come. Let me live until I see the Savior come and the, the Savior of the world. And, and the Holy Spirit had told him, you're not going to see death until you see the Messiah. And he recognized him. Do you know why he recognized him? Because he prepared his heart for Jesus. He prepared his heart. If we go on and read about Anna... Verse 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, a da the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. That's a polite way to say she was an old lady. No disrespect, but she was of great age. So those of you that are older than me, you're of great age. Those of you that are younger, be respectful because someday you'll be as old as we are. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. She was old, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. I mean, here's this woman who hangs out in the temple praying and seeking God night and day. And she just happens to come along when Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus in. There had been no angelic visitation of Simeon and Anna. You know, the shepherds were in the field watching their flocks when the shepherd or the angels came by night. And we know the story told them to get up and go to Bethlehem. There they would. That didn't happen to Simeon and Anna. You know, the wise men followed a star. Simeon and Anna weren't given a star to follow. But yet they recognized the Messiah. Why? Because they prepared their hearts. 
They experienced the Messiah because it prepared their hearts. It's interesting to me that none of the priests or the religious people recognized Jesus. It's interesting that the pastors and ministers and church leaders and church people, many of them did not recognize Jesus. But two old people are the ones who had the experience that fulfilled their heart's desires. Again, we don't know much about these two obscure witnesses that witnessed the miraculous Jesus, the Savior of the world. All we know is they encountered Jesus and they recognized him. I wonder if Jesus walked through the doors right now if we'd recognize Jesus. I mean, we've seen pictures that people have made of Jesus. I wonder if we would recognize Jesus if we encountered him at Walmart. I wonder if we recognize Jesus if we encounter him in the workplace or in the classroom at school. I wonder if we recognize Jesus if he knocked on our door. I don't know about you, but I'd probably pretend I'm not there because I'm thinking some door-to-door salesman. I mean, he's with me. I'm not the only one I know. But I wonder, would we recognize Jesus? These people did. I want to share with you this morning four keys to having a prepared heart. See, Simeon and Anna had hearts that were prepared not just for Christmas, but they were prepared for the Christ of Christmas. And I, I was thinking this week, what did they do that others didn't do? And that's where I came up with these four keys to a prepared heart. The first key is to anticipate and expect God to be faithful to his promises. Read that with me, would you? Anticipate and expect God to be faithful to his promises. Simeon was waiting for the Messiah, the consolation of Israel. Simeon had been promised by the Holy Spirit that he'd lived to see the Messiah. Not only was he watching and waiting, preparing, but he was holding on to the promise that God had given him that both the Messiah would come and that Simeon would encounter and meet the Messiah personally. Holding on to the promises of God. Anticipating and expecting God to be faithful to his promises. You know, we don't live with a whole lot of anticipation and expectation in our lives anymore. We really, I I don't. I get up each day thinking, you know, it's just going to be another day. You know, I pray. And then I'm surprised when God answers my prayer. We don't live in this sense of expectation. You know, Simeon lived in this sense of expectation. I I think every day Simeon expected to meet the Messiah. And finally that day came. You know, Peter writes that uh, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. And Peter wrote about Jesus coming back, and and he said, but there's scoffers who say, listen, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and he hasn't come back yet. And this is just a few years after Jesus' death, and now we're 2,000 years later, and there's still people that are questioning if Jesus is going to come back. Can I tell you, Jesus is going to come back. We need to be watching that eastern sky because there will come a day that sky is going to split wide open. We're going to hear the the trumpet of the archangel, and Jesus is going to come back. And everything in this world is going to change. 
And those of us who are ready for Jesus, we don't have to worry about what goes on in this world because we're not going to be here anymore. We need to live with a sense of expectation and anticipation that when we pray that God's going to answer our prayers. I mean, I, I pray for Diane Friday in the hospital. You walked in and it didn't take a doctor to know that Diane was in bad shape. It didn't take much to realize that she was in bad shape. But I pray that God would heal her. Well, Pastor Bob, God didn't answer that prayer. No, he didn't heal her in this world. But I can tell you what, she's 100% healthy, worshiping around the throne of Jesus today. You know, we, we pray prayers for people to be healed, and then we, we hear testimony of somebody getting healed, and it's like, wow, how did that happen? Where's our, and I'm guilty of it too. Where's our spirit of expectation at? I shared with the worship team a couple of weeks ago, I, I love the story of Joshua and the children of Israel crossing over the Jordan River, preparing to cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Moses led them in the wilderness for 40 years. They walked around in circles. You look at a map of Israel's wilderness wanderings. They walked around the, the, the wilderness in circles for 40 years. Uh, Joshua sends messengers through the camp and says, listen, Tell people to get ready because in three days we're going to pack up and we're going to move out and we're going someplace you ain't never been before. And you know what? I know the road between here and my house is 2.8 miles. I know this two-mile stretch of Mooresville Road really, really well. I, I don't know how many times a week I travel it, but I know this stretch of road really, really well. I know the houses on it. I know what color cars they drive. Gene used to live down there. He don't live down there anymore. You know, it's a little bit lonelier down the road now. But take me someplace I've never been before, and I'm looking to see what it is. Well, you know, sometimes we need to allow the Lord to take us out of our comfort zone so we can experience something new and fresh from Him. Because we don't live with much anticipation anymore, much expectation, unless we find ourselves expecting the negative. You know, I was at Lowe's the other day, and I, I'm not sure... I, um, you know, I worked in grocery stores for 12 years, and I, I, I don't like the self-checkouts. I will avoid them if any way possible. I had one register open. I went to it. I had, I think, three items. I was ready to go. I was running errands, and I just, I had lots to do Friday, and I was just ready to get out of there. And the cashier, you know, she was a polite lady. She wanted to talk about snow. Do you think we're going to get a big snow this, this year? I think we're going to get a big snow this year. What do you think? I said, well, we're overdue for one because we're in the longest no-snow drought in this region's history. But you know what I'm, I'm praying? Lord, don't let it snow after Wednesday because then i got to make a decision about church on Sunday. If it's going to snow, let it start on Sunday night, and it can snow Sunday night, Monday, and Tuesday just as long as it's all gone by Sunday. I didn't tell her all this, but I'm thinking I really don't I don't care if it snows or not, to be honest with you. And I know you snow lovers are going to boo me in a minute, but I, I really could care less if it snowed or not. You know, and if it does snow, bring on one good snow and then bring on the spring, right? But this woman wanted to talk about snow, and I wanted to get out the door, and there's nobody in line behind me. And I'm like, you know, but she kept on. The last thing I heard her say is I'm telling her Merry Christmas. Maybe it'll be a white Christmas, you know. But she's got this expectation it's going to snow. You know, I, I woke up this morning with the expectation to be a cloudy, gloomy day. You know, I got up this, this morning with the expectation that the sun wasn't going to shine. 
Sometimes we have the expectation of negative stuff happening in our lives. Get off the negative stuff and expect God to answer your prayer and fulfill the promises that he's given you. And don't be shocked. You know, and I even want to challenge you with, with our attitude, doing things to the Lord like coming to church. You know, I'm going to go to church again, but it's probably going to be the same old ho-hum thing all over again this week. Come to church with an expectation that you're going to encounter the Holy Spirit. Come to church with the expectation that you're going to hear something from the Lord. It don't have to be from what Pastor Bob says. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. He may speak to you in the parking lot. He may speak to you in the lobby. He may speak to you through a song. He may even speak through, to you through something that I say. He may speak to you through something that somebody sitting beside you says, that a greeting you get coming in or leaving. But I want to challenge you, leave it, live every day expecting the Holy Spirit to do something in your life because he wants to work in us and through us. The second point, and you know, I watched the service online last week, and uh, so I'm borrowing Charles' term that Jason tagged on as well, but live life with intentionality. Live life with intentionality. Anna may have been old, but she was living her life intentionally. She was praying, fasting, seeking God with all of her heart. She was not living in her sorrow and her self-pity, but living life with purpose and vision. Again, last week, Charles did a great job. If you weren't here last week, if you didn't watch the service, go back to last week's service and watch Charles when he came up to take the offering and listen to what he shared the Lord had put on his heart about living with intentionality. We need to be intentional in our pursuit of God and live the life that God's called us to live. We need to be intentional in our worship, intentional in our fellowship, intentional in our obedience. You know what? When we come to church, we don't, we don't have a song service. We're here to worship God. And you've heard people say, Pastor Bob, I didn't like that song today. Well, you know what? That song wasn't about you. That song was about worshiping God. Amen. You know, we get caught up in what we want and what we like. It's not about us. It's about God. It's about, you know, the church is the only organization that I know of on earth that's not designed for the people who are here. We're here, as the guy said earlier, to, to get fed so that we can go out and feed others. We're, our purpose in being here is to serve the community and serve the world. And if you don't agree with that, then we need to change the name of our church. We need to take the name World and Hope out of it because that's what our purpose is, to make a difference in this world. But the only way we do that is by living life with intentionality in our worship, in our fellowship. You know, I, I want to challenge you. And this ain't about fish. But come to the fish fry Friday night or Wednesday night, not Friday night. I'll show up Friday night. There won't be any fish. Probably still smell like fish, but there won't be any fish Wednesday night. Come Wednesday night to the fish fry for fellowship. Even if you don't eat anything, come and hang out and fellowship with people. Sit with somebody you don't know. The Christmas party in a couple weeks, come to it for fellowship. Be intentional to get to know people and to relate to one another. And invite somebody to come with you. Be intentional. In your obedience to God, obeying God, doing what he's called you to do. The third key that I see for preparing our hearts for Jesus is do not allow apathy and complacency to control your life. Both of these people could have become complacent and apathetic, but they refused to do so. They continued to seek God and obey him even when nothing seemed to be happening. Even when some, nothing seemed to be happening, they were still intentional. They were still seeking God. We had a, our quarterly leaders meeting a couple of weeks ago, and it was interesting. I, I asked the question, 
What are we doing to cultivate, to leave an inheritance for future generations? There's a proverb that says, a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So as a church, what are we doing to prepare now to leave an inheritance for future generations? You know, we celebrate in August 75th anniversary as a church. If our church is going to be here in 75 years, if the Lord tarries, what are we doing to prepare for the future? And you know what? We, we, we had four tables, three or four tables, and every one of those tables came back. So we've got to overcome complacency and we've got to overcome apathy. You know, we can become complacent in our worship of God and just get to the point where we just go through the motions. We can become apathetic thinking, well, it's not going to make a difference. Nothing's going to ever change. Well, you know what? If we let the Holy Spirit light a fire in your heart, in my heart, the world will change. But it starts with each one of us. It doesn't start with a pastor. It doesn't start with a worship team. It doesn't start with our church council board members. It doesn't start with our ministry leaders. It's got to start with each one of us that we allow the Holy Spirit to light a fire within us that we don't allow ourselves to become apathetic and complacent. You know, one of the popular sayings in our day, it is what it is or it will be what it will be. Anybody ever said it is what it is? Said it recently? Yeah. Yeah, most of us have said something or, or, you know, uh, or, you know, nothing's never going to change or life goes on or ho-hum, here we go again or it's the same old, same old. Overcome it. Get engaged. Stop sitting back waiting for something to happen or for someone else to do something. Shake off the complacency and apathy by doing something for God and for others. You know, um, when I went fishing last weekend, I mean, I, I fished for, I went out on the pier about 5 p.m. Friday evening at Surf City, and I got back to my condo at 4 a.m. Now, I'll tell you, I'm too old to stay up all night fishing. It took me an hour and a half to clean fish. Uh, the guy in the pier house, big and he's a big guy, he asked me how I did, and I told him I cleaned 45. He said, I was wondering what was taking you so long at the cleaning station. And, you know, I was tired. And then I loaded up after sleeping a couple hours, loaded up and drove home. And I, I went to bed early that uh, Tuesday night, Monday night. Uh, but I'd been out on the pier that whole time. And you know what? When I went to get out of the car, because I drove for three hours to Mebane, just the other side of Greensboro, and I stopped at, at Chick-fil-A to get a sandwich and make a restroom break. When I got out of the car, because I hadn't been moving much for three hours, Paul, it was all I could do to move. It was all I could do to walk. I looked like I was 98 and a half years old getting out of the car. No disrespect to anybody in their 90s. But I, you know, I hadn't moved. Yeah. When we don't do something, we become kind of like that. And we become lethargic. We need to do something for God and do something for others. You know, I, I was blessed. The Christmas, the angel tree, you know, the first Sunday. I don't remember how many tags were on it total. Ten? Okay, so there were two left after the service. So I was thinking there was more than that. I got the last two. And then I had people complaining that I took two. People said, Pastor Bob, I wanted to do something. So you know what I did? I gave my two away. You know, because somebody needed to do something. 
You know, I want to challenge you, do something for God. Find somebody to do something for and get over the apathy and complacency because by the time I got to the building at Chick-fil-A, I was feeling better. You know, by the time I left Chick-fil-A, I, I was feeling a whole lot better because I'd done something. Get over your apathy. We all need to, I struggle with it, okay? I'm not telling you what you need to do. I'm telling you what I need to do. I've got to avoid making room for, I've got to overcome the complacency and the apathy. And then the fourth thing that we need to do is to watch for signs of God's hand at work around you. Watch for signs of God's hand at work around you. God is constantly at work in the world all around us. I want to challenge you to look for his handiwork and then give him praise. You know, uh, we've had several people in our church in recent weeks that have, um, we've had people that have fallen. We've had people that have gotten sick. When I was at the hospital Friday with Diane's family, I got a message that we had someone else in the hospital. They sent me a message. They were there. I said, what room? And after I didn't read my text, I got back to my car. So I got out of the car and went back in the hospital. And when I knocked on the door, you know, and opened the door, their mouths dropped open. They couldn't believe I'd gotten there so quick. I said, don't tell anybody else I got here that quick. They'll expect the same thing. But in the process of talking to people and following up with people, I had one person that encountered a serious injury last weekend, and, and it's their testimony to tell. We're telling you about all the miracles they had experienced. They had, to, they had to see doctors, specialists, and they got in the same day. I mean, they got in the same day to see an oral surgeon and had oral surgery that day. They didn't have to wait weeks to see the specialist like you often have to do. And they were telling me just miracle after miracle after miracle. And you know what? That person, despite the circumstances they were in, was seeing God's hand at work in their lives and they were giving him praise for it. Look for God's involvement in the good and the bad because he's always working in your life, in our lives, in the world around us. Just open your eyes and see what God's doing. God has a future and a hope for us that's bigger and brighter than what we can imagine or dream of our own. But we cannot just sit back and wait for it to happen. God has meaning and purpose for every day of our lives. Carpe diem, seize the day, prepare your heart for Christmas, but more importantly, prepare your heart for Jesus. You know, I was thinking, uh, you know, growing up, my, I, I, I've got a great father, and he's still he'll be celebrating his 82nd birthday in a couple of months, and you know, he, he's a great guy. He was a deputy sheriff, and he's pretty strict. You know, we towed the line, and uh, I've shared the story when my brother got his first speeding ticket. He got back in the car and told me, he said, don't tell dad, so I'm not telling anything. A couple of months later, he comes up after my dad had called him down to his room. He said, why'd you tell dad I got a ticket? I said, I told anybody you got a ticket. He said, well, how do you know? And I look at him and I said, what does our dad do for a living? <laughs> we didn't find out until a couple years ago that every two or three months, my dad would have his secretary at the sheriff's department run our driving record. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't have to tell, you know. But I remember my dad, if he would ask why you did something, anybody ever been asked why'd you do something, say, I don't know. That, that answer was not allowed in my home. My dad said, you had to have a reason for doing it. What was the reason you did it? Why'd you hit your brother? I don't know. 
Why'd you get a speeding ticket? I never got one of those, at least not while I was living in my dad's house on his insurance anyway. But that wasn't accepted. So you know what it taught me to do? I've got a purpose for everything that I do. I've got a purpose for everything that I do. My purpose this Christmas season is to prepare my heart to receive all that Jesus has for me. There's a song that uh, I I don't usually use video clips and got two, but friends sent these to me this week. And uh, this, get ready, this one's going to kind of get kind of rocky at the very beginning. So just they're tuning their instruments as part of the video clip. But then it's a beautiful song. I want you to listen to it. And then I'm going to come up and share one statement with you. And then we're going to close. So Deborah, if we can play the video. Feel free to sing along, but please mock.
You know, the only way that God's kingdom is going to come into my heart is if I prepare my heart to receive what he has for me. A prepared heart is ready to recognize and receive God's blessings at Christmas and every day of the year. I want to share that again. A prepared heart is ready to recognize and receive God's blessings at Christmas and every day of the year. God's kingdom has come. But how God's kingdom can expand in our hearts and lives determined, is determined by how much of our heart and life we open to Jesus. Because God wants to transform our hearts, our lives, our families, our church, our community, and this world. And it happens by the power and the authority of his kingdom at work in your life and in my life. Stand with me this morning, would you? Jesus, thank you that you came. Jesus, thank you that you're coming again. And Lord, your word's very clear that you're returning for a people that are prepared for you. People whose hearts are pure. Lord, a people who are not lukewarm. Lord, a, a people who have prepared their hearts for you. Lord, you've got blessings for us each day as your kingdom power flows in us and through us. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to do what we need to do to prepare our hearts to receive all that you have for us. Lord, it's really not just about Advent. It's not just about Christmas. But Lord, it's about your kingdom coming in power and authority in each one of our hearts and lives. And Lord, I pray that you would see a room full of people who are doing what we can to prepare our hearts for you. Lord, I, I want to be like Simeon and Anna. Lord, I want to recognize you. I want to know you. I want to have that relationship with you. Lord, have your will and your way in each one of our hearts and lives. I just wonder while every head's bowed and every eye closed. I just wonder if you're here today and if your heart's not prepared for Jesus. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Maybe you just need a fresh touch of Jesus in your heart and your life today. Would you lift your hand this morning because I want to pray for you. There's a hand that went up. Are there others today? Pastor Bob, pray for me. I, I want more of Jesus in me. How many of us just lift a hand and say, there's two hands that went up. How many of us just lift a hand and say, Lord, help me prepare my heart for all that you have for me. Lord, help us prepare our hearts. Lord, I pray for those two that raised a hand today, Lord, that have they acknowledge that they need more of you. Lord, all of us need more of you in our lives. Lord, it's not a question of whether we're saved or not, but it's a question of your lordship in our lives. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would surrender more and more of our lives to you. Lord, that your kingdom would come in power, might, and authority in us. Lord, in our families, in our church, in our community, in our world. Lord, I pray that you would have your will in your way. Lord, I pray that you protect us as we go our ways, keep us safe. Lord, help us to walk in the fullness of your love, your grace, your mercy. Lord, help us to walk in the fullness of this season of having hearts prepared for you and prepared for all that you want to do in us and through us for the glory of your kingdom. Lord, may your kingdom come in us. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, I love you. I appreciate you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and a blessed week.